0: You're listening to sermons from Southbridge Fellowship in Raleigh, North Carolina. We pray that today's message helps you to connect to Jesus for life change. I want to start off with a question. It's a rhetorical question, but I think everybody could raise their hand. Have you ever been left out? Yeah, you can raise your hands. Yeah, it's part of the human experience. Uh, And when I said that, some of you might be thinking... You know, you think of a memory when you get left out. Some of you it might be something recently that happened or some, maybe there was like a very distinct moment as a kid or an adult where you think through that. And it's a, it's a lonely feeling, uh, but it's kind of a human feeling. I have three kids, uh, six, four, and one and a half. And our middle one, he feels left out all the time, um, as I think all the middle childs in here probably can attest to. Because he looks at his older brother who's six and he's like, man, I, I want to do all the same things he can do they are like, but you're just not quite old enough yet. And he's like, oh, man. And then he looks at his one-and-a-half-year-old brother who mom and I still carry around a little bit more than we carry the other guys around, and he gets a little more attended to so he doesn't get into trouble or get himself hurt, and he's like, you'll give so much attention here, and he gets to do all these things, but what about me, right? And there's just this human feeling of being left out. And there's this feeling of being an outsider where, you know, we had Thanksgiving, and for many of you and some of you guys, it was a great holiday. And then for others of you, it's, it's a challenging, lonely time because you're, you're watching and you think, man, I'm in a sea of faces and no one sees me. Or I had nowhere to be, or it just brings back hard memories from childhood, right? Just feeling alone. Um, and sometimes, though, when we are left out or we feel like an outsider, it's actually because we've chosen to take a stand. It's because we said, you know what? Everybody else is moving in this direction, but I'm going to stand against the current, against the tide, and stand up. And like Mitchell and and Bryce were saying, we've been in this series in the book of Daniel, and we've seen Daniel be an outsider, an exile, a foreigner, as he has been standing up and trying to navigate, what does it look like to follow God in a culture of compromise? What does it look like to follow God in a culture that's pulling in all these different directions? And we've seen Daniel do that, and so I'm excited today. We get to, to wrap up our series, and we're not going to wrap it up in Daniel. If we finish that the book of Daniel last week. We're actually going to wrap it up in Jeremiah chapter 29. And Jeremiah 29 is actually a letter that was written to Daniel and to the exiles. If you go read Daniel chapter 9, you see Daniel actually reads this letter, and he prays through it. Um, and so we are going to be looking at this passage, and... I had that moment, right, where I got you to think about a time where you felt like an outsider or you felt alone, right? We talked about Daniel, but some of you guys might be thinking, well, I'm not, you know, I moved here on purpose. I'm not in exile. I'm not in captivity. I'm here in Raleigh. I'm not necessarily an outsider. And there's some truth to that. But the reality is this, is if you want to follow the way of God, there's the way of God and there's the way of the world. And if you want to step into following God, that means you're going to have to stand against the current And you're going to have to be moments where you are a foreigner. And so that's what this letter addresses. How do we navigate that tension? Parents feel this tension all the time. Um, You think through your kids. You're like, how do I, how much, do I protect my kids or do I throw them out there to go experience the world because they're going to experience it? And you have this tension of like, how do I do this? And you have to walk that tightrope as a parent. And it's challenging. It's really, really challenging. And the cool thing is, this letter written to the exiles really speaks into that. How do we do that? How do we be here and present and fully alive, fully human in RDU, but also know that we're a part of Jesus's kingdom, not this kingdom? And as we've been reading Daniel, you may have thought, you know, Daniel's really cool, and... It's great, but he's like the number two, and he gets to like influence the whole country, and he makes all these big, important decisions, and he talks to the king, and I'm just in my first career trying to figure out if I actually want to do it or not. Or I just am looking for my first job, or I'm a stay-at-home mom. And, and, and the cool thing is this letter is written to all of the exiles. It wasn't just written to Daniel. It wasn't just written to people who were in, important and important in positions of power is written to Daniel. And ultimately, through God's word, we're going to see what it has for us. So if you guys will turn with me to Jeremiah 29, I'm going to read verse 1 and then just skip to verse 5 and read through 14. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the other people that Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters and find wives for your sons and daughters and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you are encouraging them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. This letter was written to these exiles, and the thing he opens with is not, don't worry, you're coming home soon. He opens with the opposite of that. He opens with this idea that you need to settle and you need to flourish where God has planted you. You'll find it quite interesting. If you, if you were paying attention, you may have noticed this. When, he, when Jeremiah is kind of, the book of Jeremiah is describing the letter, it says the exiles that Nebuchadnezzar removed and brought to Babylon. When you read what God says through Jeremiah in the letter, it says that God brought you into exile. You see this tension, right? Nebuchadnezzar brought them or God brought them. And the point being is God planted them where they were. It wasn't an accident that they ended up there. And so God planted them. And so as people who are planted, it's like how are we supposed to live? And we are supposed to settle and flourish. I'm a millennial. I use DoorDash, all those things, right? Instant stuff. We like that. But I'm not a farmer, but I th- and I don't know if anybody in here is a farmer. Um, some of you might be gardeners. But if you know anything about a garden, right, it's something that takes a long time. If I were to be like, okay, I'm going to plant a garden. I go plant all the seeds and I walk away. I'm I'm going to move on and do my next thing and leave it and never come back. I never got anything out of it. I just invested time, resources, energy in something that's not, right? It's it's a long-term vision that he's saying here. Plant a garden. It's a long-term vision for those of you with your kid in the room. Look at them and saying, he's saying, hey, have your kids get married, right? That's what he's saying. He's not saying, don't worry, you're going to be sent back. He's saying, plant and flourish here. Live and settle. And as you're reading that, this idea of increasing in number and this idea of cultivating a garden. Um, If you were reading an article online, you might see that it was underlined blue and it's like the little superscript that you can click and get, hey, more info about this. Because when you read it, it brings you back and reminds you of the creation story in Genesis. Because you see, in Genesis, God creates the, like the beginning of time, God creates the world And when he creates the world, right, he he makes everything. And the pinnacle of his creation is people. And at the very end, he looks at those people and he gives them a command. And listen to this command. It's very similar to what Jeremiah just said. God blessed them and said to them, "'Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground.'" Jump to Genesis two fifteen. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Isn't it interesting that God's people have been sent into exile and the command is the same? Right? It's, it's a command to be fully human, to live how God created you to live in this foreign land. Uh, y'all saw Pastor Mitchell up here earlier. Um, he's, he's new to our team, and hopefully you've had a chance to meet him. But I know you'd be really disappointed if your interaction with him went like this. Oh, hey, Pastor Mitchell, I'm Danny. It's nice to meet you. And he's like, hey, nice to meet you. He's like, hey, what do you think of Raleigh? And he's like, meh. And, and then you're like, well, you know, I, I can show you some really great places getting plugged in. He's like, don't worry about it. I'm going to be here for a little bit. You've got to take care of a couple of things, but I'm going to go back to Arkansas where I'm from. You kind of be like, what are you here for? Right? What's the point? Like, you're going to be unsatisfied. We're going to be unsatisfied. This is like a, a weird experience. No, God is calling us to plant roots and settle firmly where he has planted us. And, and at Southridge, we don't believe that you ended up in this room on accident. We don't believe that you ended up in Raleigh on accident. We believe that God has put you here because of his gifts and his talents, because of the people he wants in your lives, the people he wants you to be in their lives, and he's put you here on purpose. And I know some of you might be thinking, okay, well, that's great. I'm not planning on moving. I'm settled here. I want to be here. I'm not an exile like Daniel. Um, and, And for you, you might be thinking, I got this. Check. Great. But this is what's challenging. This is a difference between the context of Daniel and the context that we're in is that we aren't exiles, we wanna be here. We're from this culture. And so for us, the real challenge is how do we flourish? How do we settle? How do we be fully human here in RDU when there's a culture that's similar but different? How do we navigate that? Kinda like that tension I was talking about as parents of like, when do I let my kid do what? And how, how how do I let them experience life? How do I protect them? How do I shape them to be like God? And we get to figure that out ourselves. And that's a challenge. And so at Southbridge, if you're wondering, what does it mean to be fully human? We like to ask three questions um, of ourselves. And it's, it's really simple. And these are all things that we can grow in always. Like there's always more room for growth and they're just really good things. First question is, am I enjoying God? Second question is, do I live as family? And the third question is, do I take risks? And so if you want to put on those lens, we can look and we can see what, what does it mean to be fully human in the garden? We can see what does it mean to be fully human in Daniel's circumstance, and we can ask the question, what does it mean fully human where I am, right? When I enjoy God, think back to the garden, Adam and Eve, before sin was in the world, they walked with God in the garden. He created it good. He created them for relationship with him. We look at Daniel in the series, uh, right? We, um, I don't remember who preached on it, but one of our pastors preached on Daniel and there and was Daniel in the lion's den. The reason he ended up in the lion's den is because he was praying in his room, He opened his window and he prayed every day. And he said, my time with God is more important than my location. How do you enjoy God? Live his family. In the garden, there was Adam and there's Eve, right? And they were naked and unashamed. There was nothing in between them. They were fully vulnerable. They were there together. They were to lead and cultivate the earth together. Daniel, he had his people, right? Daniel chapter one, if you remember that he... And his buddies, they said, "You know what? We're going to stand firm, and we're not going to eat the same way. Even though we have the best in the world, best food in the world, we're going to eat our own way because this is what God is calling us to do." He had his people around him. How do you live his family? And lastly, take a risk. It might seem like an odd one to throw to Adam and Eve, but if you think about it, they were put in a garden that was a blank canvas, and God said, "Go and create." They had to take at risks, They had to step out and they had to build something. Daniel took risks all the time. He stood up to kings and powers and he told them what they didn't want to hear because it was the truth. How do you take risks? And so as we settle and we flourish and we are supposed to be fully human, we get to ask ourselves those questions. Okay, in my context, I look a lot like the culture. It's really easy to get sucked in that way. Okay, how am I enjoying God? How do I live as family? How do I take a risk? And that kind of leads us to the next point because after he tells them to settle and flourish, listen to what Jeremiah encourages them to do. Oh, I'm still in Genesis. Jeremiah encourages them to do. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. What an interesting idea, this idea of peace and prosperity. Sometimes those are scary words in church because of people can make these false promises of if you just follow God, it's all going to work out for you. Um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven 11 is one that people take out of context all the time for that. Um, but the reality is, what does it mean to seek the peace and the prosperity of our city? And what does it mean that if the city prospers, I'm gonna prosper? Because shouldn't I just be prospering because of because of my life and my my connection with God? When I think of this idea of peace and prosperity, I think of of, of a doctor, a good doctor, right? If you go to a bad doctor, they're just gonna treat the symptoms. And that might mute the symptoms until more symptoms come up, or eventually that won't work. But if you go to a good doctor, they might help you with the symptoms, but they're gonna focus on actually solving the problem that's causing the symptoms because then you won't need to mute the symptoms anymore. And that is exactly the picture, the wholeness, the idea of peace and prosperity that we are supposed to bring to our city. And so I think some of you might be thinking, okay, as we apply this, what this could mean is, okay, we are supposed to, if I'm, a, if I'm a honest and I, I'm tr- true to my word at my job, I'm going to be one less person who's a bad employee, which is true. But what Daniel is getting at and what God is calling us to is far greater than that. It's far greater. And I think the best way to kind of show that is through this story. Uh, one of our first missionaries couples sent out were Grant and Jody Waller. Uh, they were sent to Madagascar and they lived in a small little town and their, their mission and their heart was to go into the villages outside of this town in the bush and share the gospel with them. Well, when they got there, there wasn't a whole lot of infrastructure, so they had to go and they had to learn. So they got there, they had to learn the language, and then after they learned the language, they had to learn the dialect, and after they learned the dialect, they had to realize they had to learn dialects. And so in that process, they had to learn the worldview, they had to learn all of these things. And so as they were doing that, they had to go spend time with people. So Grant would go out into these villages and he would sleep in their huts. And while he was sleeping in their huts, um, overnight, they'd always have somebody standing outside with a shotgun. Because in in this area, cattle thieving was a really, really big deal. It was a big issue. At night, cattle thieves would come. They'd steal the cattle. There might be some shots fired, but it's dark and hard to tell. The next day, they'd figure out who stole the cattle. Then everybody, all the men from the village would go and they'd go and try and take back the cattle. People would get shot. Animals would be killed. It cost everybody a lot of money. And so eventually, Grant actually stopped staying in the villages because he didn't want to make people guard him at night, and he had, he had to stay in a, another town a little closer, but um, not in an actual village where this was a problem. Well, eventually, through his ministry, one of the, one of the guys who was a, a pretty well-known culprit came to know the Lord. He and his brothers were well-known culprits. And this guy came to know the Lord and he realized, okay, I should probably stop stealing cattle. Like that's a natural thing. And so that could be a great story. Great, he stopped stealing cattle, one less cattle thief. But that's actually not where the story ends. Where it ends is this guy, he, he said, you know what, stealing cattle is bad for all of us. And so he gathered the elders and the people from the different villages and the different tribes that were in, within, that had enmity with each other. And they got together and they said, we need to come up with a solution To solve this, and so they came up with something called the Dina Bay, which is the big gathering. So, if someone came and stole cattle, instead of shooting at them or chasing them down the next day, what would happen is they'd figure out okay, which which who stole the cattle, and then every village, not just the village that was stolen from, every village would go camp outside that village, and that was the big gathering. And then that village who, where the cattle thief lived, had to provide food. This village of a couple hundred people, maybe even less, had to provide food for thousands of people for a week while they deliberated and figured out, okay, how much do they owe you for stealing those cattle? Which is, of course, going to be more than the actual value of the cattle. And so they go, and now, years later, I went last summer, and I slept outside, and everyone has sold their guns. Isn't that wild? To go from, okay, Grant's not going to sleep out here. He doesn't want to have somebody stay up guarding him, to nobody has guns anymore. And the reason for that is because the gospel permeated, because they, in his case, he loved his villages, his region. And, and what I want you to see is not everyone is a Christian because of that, but all of them are thankful that the Christians are there. That is how you love your city. And as a church, um, we want to step into that that's, what does that look like here in, in RDU? You know, we have folks who bring lunches weekly to first responders just to be in their lives and care for them in the hard times and the good times. We want to get better at engaging our city. How do we get better at engaging our schools? Um, thousands upon thousands of kids are there. How do, we, how do we love them well as a church? The teachers, the coaches, the administration... How do we love our city? What could that impact like the, the nobody has guns anymore in that region in Madagascar? And that's not all over Madagascar. That's just that one region. What would that look like for us as a church? Could it look like a city of Raleigh is a place where marriages thrive because there's a culture of vulnerability and caring and intentionality? Could RDU be a place where vulnerable kids are taken care of? There's so many ways that we could see this lived out. And we're not trying to force something because I don't think Grant, when he shared the gospel, was thinking, okay, and now there's all the cattle thieving is gonna stop. Right, he was faithful in that moment, but that is what God can do. And we wanna be a part of that. We are called to settle and flourish where God plants us. And we are called to love our city. And, and the next thing that Jeremiah kind of leaves us with is he gives us a warning Because it's really easy to get distracted from this. Listen to verses um, 8 through 9. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them. Don't get distracted. In this situation, what Jeremiah was dealing with, and actually if you finish the letter, we're not going to get verse 15 through the end, you'll see that Jeremiah was dealing with this false prophet named Shemaiah. And now Shemaiah was saying exactly the opposite of what Jeremiah was saying. He was saying, hey, don't settle down. This is temporary. If anything, push against Babylon because then you'll be set free sooner. It's the exact opposite of what Jeremiah was saying. And it's kind of ironic. Uh, Pastor John talked about this a little bit last week that we read the book of Daniel and it's got such accurate prophecy that people think it was written after the fact because it was so accurate. And then we're reading about this guy, Shemaiah, who's saying, ah, don't settle down. You're gonna be back in no time. And Jeremiah's like, he's a liar. And turns out he was a liar. (laughs) Um, Right, Jeremiah says 70 years and we'll even get to that more. It ends up being different than that. But but what you see is, is this so easy to get distracted. And want to know why they were getting distracted? It was because they were getting told what they wanted to hear. And we live in a culture that's really easy to get told what you want to hear. That's where all the tribalism comes. That's where all the the conflict comes. You know, you go on social media, you like something, or you watch a full video instead of skimping to the next, and then all of a sudden you know that video, that type of video starts going, right? And it sucks us into just hearing what we want to hear and not hearing the truth. Don't be deceived by the prophets who are just telling you what you want to hear. That's the warning that Jeremiah has for you. And those prophets, right, in the same way for us in our modern context, right, we're not in exile, we're not trying to leave, but one thing that we do have our hope in is that Christ is coming back, right? And we live in a time where there's, trouble going and brewing and bad things happening in the Middle East, and people are thinking, oh, it's it's the end. Don't get distracted being like, okay, I'm just going to wait till Jesus comes back. Because since the beginning, followers of Jesus have been like, he's coming back soon. I mean, literally, as Jesus, before he ascends, Peter looks at him, he's like, but hey, am I going to make it till you come back? Peter, John, uh, Paul, excuse me, Paul goes and he's like writing. He's like, and we anticipate your return soon, God. Right? waiting. But what does Paul do? He doesn't just say, okay, and now we get to be passive. It's like, no, we are on mission. We are moving forward. We're bringing your kingdom. Because this is the thing. If you go read 1 Corinthians 3, there's a really, it's a passage that I read a lot. It's too long to read here. Um, It's one that I have memorized because it's just a really impactful verse because it talks about the things that we do in this life and it says the good things that we do will survive and we will receive a reward but the bad things that we the things that don't last not even the bad things the things made out of wood and hay and straw those things are going to be burned up and we'll 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 still be saved but it's like what are you building what kingdom are you building because if you get distracted from living and flourishing here, like God called us to do from the beginning. And if you get distracted from loving your city and you just kind of build your own kingdom, this American dream, it's going to get burned up in the end. I want to be a part of something that lasts. I don't know about you. And so the warning is, let's be a part of something that lasts. And then he closes out. Okay, how do we settle and flourish? How do we love our city, how do we not get distracted? And we do that by being empowered by hope and relationship with God by hope in and relationship with God. Listen to 10 through 14. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come to me and pray, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me, and when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity I will gather you from all the nations and the places from where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Now, that is a promise made to exiles, not a promise made to a cutting board on a kitchen wall. Um, And so, that promise, right, when you're looking at it, it's not to people who were thriving, right? It's the people who were suffering and sad and, and lost. And the Lord's saying, I planted you there, and I know the plans I have for you. And believe it or not, my plans are the same in Genesis 1, they're the same in Jeremiah 29, they're the same in Daniel, they're the same in the New Testament, and they're the same today. It's for you to thrive and flourish, to build my kingdom here on this earth, till I return and restore it, make all the wrong things right. I mean, think about Daniel, right? Daniel, as best as he could, and he was far from perfect. We don't see all of his imperfections in the book, but we know he wasn't perfect. There's years of gaps where you go, wonder, was he faithful in these years or was he just quiet? But if you look at him, right, he was fully human when he was praying out of his window and when he was in the lion's den. And he was fully human. He was living how God called him to live. And we get to do that. We are empowered by hope. In relationship with God in that. And the beautiful thing is we live on this side of the cross. And so our hope is in something that has already happened and that we know is going to happen. We know that Jesus has already died on the cross for our sins. We get to be and operate and live out of a place of security in that. And we also get to have the hope that he's going to come and he's going to make all the things that make us feel alone and lonely and isolated and all those things are going to be gone and it's going to be back to his kingdom here on earth. But the crazy thing is, in Genesis, we start with a garden. If you read Revelation, it ends in a city. And we get to be a part of that. And so today, as we're reflecting on what does it mean to be fully human in a foreign land, right? For us, that foreign land we call RDU. What does it mean? We can look to Christ's example. I think that's the best way to do it. Because it's, how do I live in this tension where I'm different from the city, but I'm, not, but I'm not the same? And we get to look to Christ. Because if you think about this, when we were separated from Christ, when we were separated from God, he was the one, he had all the power, all the influence. And how did he wield that power? He wielded it by coming and making himself a, a, a man and living among us. Not by making us robots to just do what he says, and not by coming down with the heavy hand of justice. And we see Jesus living that out, loving people as he walks through his life, and as he walks through and makes disciples. And he he steps into that. And then the ultimate, the climax of it all is when he's on the cross. And instead of you or me dying for our sins, he's sitting there and he is dying for our sins. That is how God Loved us. That's how he loved the city. And that's what we get to look like as the people of God living in this foreign land called RDU. We get to love our city by giving our lives up for it, by settling and flourishing. And we get to do all this by being empowered through hope and relationship with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would open our eyes and open our hearts to just see the different areas of our lives where maybe we're kind of getting sucked into culture and we're not standing apart as an outsider, as a foreigner. But God, I also ask that you would strengthen us to love our city well, where we are, have that common humanity with everyone. And so we ask that as we are praying here today, that you would just reveal to our hearts and show us what are our next steps How do we love our city? How do we flourish in exile? How do we be fully human? And we ask all of this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to sermons from Southbridge Fellowship in Raleigh, North Carolina. If you have a question about the message you just heard, email us at info at sfchurch.com. For additional resources or service information, visit us at sfchurch.com.